When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is time for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast brought to you by MidFirst Bank. Make sure you go over to midfirst.com slash U40. That's midfirst.com slash U40. Sign up for the OU Rewards credit card. Well, we are back from Arlington. Uh, The playoff committee has spoken. The Oklahoma Sooners are in the playoffs. National Signing Day is seven days away as well. Uh, We have some eyeballs floating around. Like, like, I guess Lincoln's on the road, so... The eyeballs are late. You know, they can be late. It was a 1044, I think, is when yeah. this came out last night. It was a late one. Uh, just quickly. Be honest. I was in bed, saw the <laughs> saw, some, saw the message, and said, I did the exact Whatever. same thing. <laughs> Josh, Bob, Josh that's and on Bob you. got this. <laughs> I was right there Fair with you. Fair enough. I'll see it in four hours <laughs> when I arise. <laughs> I, I was literally, le- I was doing the same thing. Like, I had just shut it down. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I had put some notes up on the board. I had finished a few other things, kind of some of the signing day prep stuff I was doing. And I was like, okay, I'm good. And I literally heard the phone go off. It's sitting on my dresser, and it, I hear it vibrate. And I was like, well, hell, you know, I'll just look real quick. And sure as hell, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, I, I mean, I won't say that, like, I stayed up for the next two hours working the phones. Like, that's bull crap. I didn't do that. Well, Eddie and I wouldn't but, know, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did, man. man. I, man, it was Burn the midnight day, oil. I, just, I got, like, three hours of sleep. Now, I, you know, I, I stayed up for a little while. I had a pretty good guess at who it was. Um, I felt uh, it, it was one of two guys. Exactly. And it was really connected to last night's in-home visit with Dante Manning. And I... I knew which way I was leaning that that was going to go, but um, Oklahoma really, to me, had started to come to a decision that it was either going to move forward with Dante Manning, who's going to, we're expecting to sign next week and then announce his decision at the Under Armour All-American game, or move on and move into the direction of Kendall Dennis. And I think last night's visit kind of dictated how they were going to handle that, and I you know, I, I think there is some. I, I will say my initial thought. I don't think was wrong. I, I, I think it definitely is probably one of those two guys, either Kendall Dennis or Dante Manning. Yeah, okay. I don't. I, I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to go any farther than that. But I, I, I think it's hard to ignore the connection between that visit and Riley sending out those eyes so late last. How night. could they lose Dante Manning like this? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe they didn't, you know, Carrie. I mean, I'm, why, I'm you know, being an angry redneck guy, all right? Uh, no, I... It's, Jumping to conclusions guy. Yeah, I mean, and I... I don't know anything, that, by the way. I'm just... 
I literally am jumping to the worst possible conclusion. <laughs> but, well, I mean, Angry Redneck from Duncan. I mean, it all works, Carrie. I mean, it plays. It plays. Um, that was a Marlowe dialect, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, I, I think that somebody asked me on the board during the board chat, which I totally forgot to do yesterday. Uh, that That's where my brain is. I'm just scrambled. There's too much going on. Um I forgot to do it, so it's currently going on the board right now. But someone asked me, you know, do you see any surprises next Wednesday? And I said, 24 hours ago, I just said absolutely not. And now I, I could definitely see it because you got the major burn situation coming out of nowhere. There, I mean, there is a lot happening in a really short amount of time right now. Well, explain the major burn situation then. So major burns, for those that don't remember, and, and Bob can um, – back me up on this was once upon a time one of lincoln riley's eyeballs one of the um, eyes and was a guy that seemed set to oklahoma then lsu got more serious with him he ended up staying with the hometown team i mean this is this is not edger cooper that's near louisiana this is a baton rouge guy and i am told late last night lsu informed him they were not going to have a spot for him which they've kind I of been doing know. for a lot of people lately yep <laughs> they they have, and he's like the second or third Louisiana guy. I mean, LSU's, you know, get ready for the beep. Don't give a f- meter is really low right now. That's they expensive. are they are doing whatever they want to do, and I I cannot believe a week before signing day you're going to drop a hometown kid. That is. That doesn't balls. seem Ed Orgeron style, yeah. And you know he's, he's it's dropped. shitty. It's shitty. He, it's at seven thirty in the morning. You don't put out a like your own decommitment tweet at seven thirty in the morning. You're just trying to get it out there so that it's over and done with. Um, I, I can say that I have talked to a few people that told me Burns has already reached out to Oklahoma. There has been uh, a conversation there. I don't think at this time that's going to work out. Now, what could be interesting is, you know, we've talked before about all these possible transfers and some things that we think could still happen within the current roster. Well, if Major Burns doesn't sign next week, which unless it's Oklahoma or A&M or somebody he's really familiar with, that would be kind of surprising if he did sign at this point. Well, if he pushes into February, then maybe one of those spots loosens up and things could change. But if he wants to sign Wednesday of, you know, a week from today, I don't see that happening. Pat Fields, you see that portal over there? Ouch. <laughs> Pat Fields man, are playing good, man. Pat. Pat. Yeah. It, it, Rednecks don't care, all right? Pat and Turner Yell played every snap. It's not <laughs> often it's not often you see a, a school though treat and I, I guess like the as big as LSU is, treat a same city. Yeah. School like that. Could I mean, you imagine that's like, you doing. Oh my God, like doing the, that to Norman North or like Norman High School, or even like that a to Union? Ryan Broyles, like after he already told Oklahoma State no. I'm it'd be, going yeah, to it'd you. be like it'd be like Union in your own backyard or Jinx in your own backyard and saying, "Oh, by the way, we don't care." I guess in a way, that's a little bit of uh, some some big dick energy, is what it is. Yeah. LSU's just kind of swinging it out there and saying we don't really care. So I I this kind is, of approve of that, <laughs> but at the same time, that is. For the kid to do that, what, six, I mean, eight days? If you're an LSU fan, you're like, oh, wow, we are swinging our dicks around. But everybody else on the planet that's not an LSU fan is like, what are you doing? Like, he was your evaluation. So now he's he you evaluated that he could play for you. You offered him a scholarship, and now you're throwing it away a week before signing day. Like, 
that's not his fault. That's, I'm sorry that you think that you have other people out there, but you evaluated the kid, offered him. I mean, you have to stick to it. Like, that's everybody else on the planet that's not, uh, uh, that's not pro-LSU right now. Well, and that's why I think, you know, uh, especially for me, when fans get pissed off at recruits for looking around and doing these things, coaches do it too. You don't get to have it both ways where the players have to stick to their word, but a bunch of grown men don't have to. And I, and I get it. Stuff changes. And I've talked to some people. Major Burns did not have a great senior year. I, I, I kind of, and I can understand that. But it's not like they just got his tape at LSU. What, I mean, would they, they, horse and carriage brought it to LSU's facility that's 10 feet away from his high school no like they knew he wasn't having a great senior you could have let him know this stuff a month ago but you waited until you knew you had another you know kind of you had something else lined up and instead now you're going to drop the kid eight days before signing that that's just a shitty move so for people that don't know or aren't regular visitors to the website soonerscoop.com josh has kind of he has his guide to signing day up like who is still out there for the sooners who is left uh you know that that you could hear from uh coming up next wednesday uh josh kind of if you could Give us some of the highlights from that for people that, that need to go to the site. And it's free. You, you don't have to have a subscription to read it. You can go check it out. But definitely something you want to take a look at uh, this weekend and, and throughout this week. Yeah, we've got all the guys highlighted, including guys like Xavier Hutchinson that's committed to Iowa State. Um, Oklahoma commitment, Jason McClellan is a guy we discuss in there. So it's not just guys that are uncommitted. It's guys, there's a story, there's a connection to Oklahoma right now and that we're going to be watching coming down to signing day because either they're looking at Oklahoma or they're looking, in McClellan's case, at a school like Alabama. Uh, there's just a lot happening. And, you know, I've got it listed as, you know, so you can look at the official visit date that they had. And it also links to a page where we track every 2020 official visitor that has come to campus. Uh, we, we acknowledge the competition, the schools that are kind of involved in that recruitment, uh, break down when we expect that player to sign, and then I just kind of give a synopsis of where I think this thing is. And finally, my prediction as of, you know, that the most recent prediction I've made for each player involved, like where I think they'll go. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I see some changes that I need to make. There, right? there are a few <laughs> updates that in the last 12 hours ha ha have seen things shift around. So I will have to make some, some uh, more recent changes and some updates. Well, I mean, the McClellan thing is just so interesting because, I mean, he's been committed since junior day of his sophomore year. and Champion Barbecue. Cha was it Champion Barbecue? It was the same day as yes. Jalen Redmond. That's right. To give you perspective of That's how insane. long it's been. Jalen Redmond and Jason McClellan were the same exact day. And, you know, he, I know his mother's been very involved and she's been very pro-OU this entire time, but there have been, you know, Georgia's been involved, now Alabama's involved, but... Like and he stayed committed. He hasn't ever decommitted. And I think there were times we thought, okay, he's probably going to decommit. Uh, but he stayed with Oklahoma this entire. Now we're seven days away, and it's like, okay, wait, really? What's going to happen with Jace McClellan? Like, all this time has gone by, and he's stayed committed, and he's he's flirted with all these people, but nothing has changed. So like, is it going to change in the last seven days? It's unbelievable. Let me give you the best perspective that I can possibly give on Jason McClellan. Jalen Redmond's a great one. Jeff Carter, his Alito teammate at the time, committed on the same day. Yep. 
Jeff Carter has been to two high schools <laughs> and committed to Oklahoma, Alabama, and Texas A&M in that amount of time and has already transferred out of Alabama where he eventually signed. So that's how steadfast this thing has been, relatively speaking. Um, as far as Jace, it's, it's really a weird situation because I, I speak to his mother, Mia. I've spoken to sources in Alabama. And the sources in Alabama are kind of like, eh, you know, if the Nick Saban visit went really well, maybe there's a chance. But there's not this, oh, yeah, like there, there's a – and, I mean, it's Alabama. They have every reason to be confident in every living room they walk into. But when I talk to people, I don't get that feeling like, oh, yeah, the Alabama knows they're going to get him. Like, I, I don't get that at all. And then when I talk to his mother, she – I mean, she doesn't ever close the door on this the situation. But it's not – it's not like you know, all the, you know, the, we're unhappy about this or this is what's concerning. It's it's never like that. It's just you know, Jace is gonna look around a little bit, and you know, we're we're kind of doing what we do. It, it's very, you know, she's always we're committed to Oklahoma. She's very, I mean, just very calm about the whole situation, which tells me that it's unlikely that something changes. Yeah. that's not usually the way that goes. It's usually a little more frenetic. And that's just not what I see. But when I talk to people in Dallas, people that are well-connected, the same people that told me months before Ryan Watts was going to decommit that he was going to decommit and go to Ohio State, which is exactly what happened, these are the same people that are telling me I'd be very worried about Alabama. So I don't know. It's really two versus one, and I get that. And the two two are the ones that you expect to be more well-connected, but – it, it like I said, it just gives me a little bit of pause. I would say I'm about seventy five percent. Jace McClellan ends up at Oklahoma, but that twenty five percent, considering how long he's been committed, all the relationships Oklahoma has, that's not that's not nothing. Could it be like sixty percent Oklahoma, twenty five percent Alabama, and then like what am I left with? Sixty. I'm not the math guy. Fifteen. Fifteen percent doesn't sign at all. Wednesday. That that is something that has crossed my mind, and it's something that she had mentioned at one point was that I won't. Basically, it was she didn't want him to sit down at the table and be unsure when he goes to sign. It's not signing because he feels like he has to. It's signing because that's what he wants to do. So I wouldn't rule out the the uh, waiting till February, but I would be kind of surprised if it went that way. Um, just because I would be surprised if Alabama wants to wait that long. You have a and week, I don't know... you, to sign? Uh, do you have yes. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Okay, when, so three Is days. Is three? Okay. Yep. okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, It certainly uh, sounds like, though, he at least he has some good guidance. It doesn't sound like he has, like, a you know an uncle that's getting involved or a trainer or anything like that. It doesn't sound sketchy to me, just on the no. face of it all. And, you know, I, I think if you're a running back right now, why wouldn't you have, in a way, some question marks just as far as, Kind of the direction that this offense is headed, uh, you know. I the 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 groans of getting the running back the ball were more so in the first part of the season than they are now. But yeah, now he's a running offense. Yeah, I, I could I could understand it in a way. Maybe where am I in the pecking order too? As far as you know, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon are both. Uh, you know, they're not seniors, uh, but at the None same of time, them are. I entire yeah. entire crop. None of sure. them are. Scheduled it, to leave. It looks like a it looks like a packed room on paper, but I think Lincoln Riley also probably knows that like and I think that we might all agree. I, I think Trey Sermon probably enters his name. 
I think there's, I'd say, a legitimate 50-50 chance that Kennedy Brooks I, I, I'm kind of there thinks with you. about going. Yeah. So I, I could see why there's question marks, maybe, uh, from Jace McClellan's side. And he's just trying to kind of get those ironed out and answered before he makes it official. I, He's still Jace McClellan, though. I mean, he's still one of the best running backs in the country. Oh, Ross. no. I, yeah, I, I'm not saying he isn't. I just think that maybe his uh, trepidation, in a way, is wow. justified. Josh, wow. is, like that? is that the biggest concern you think for Coffee. Jace with the Sooners, or is there something else that we're we're not looking at? I think that would have to be it. And, I, you know, I, I, you guys are, you know, you're obviously there. You're around the team, all that sort of stuff. Is it really that strong a feeling that Trey Sermon is, is going to enter his name? I, I, that's oh, that's, that's pure That's pure guessing on my I part. I think the fact that just he showed the, up on crutches at the Big 12 Championship is the first time that we've been like, Oh, okay. He's still connected to this program. I some said way. something literally to both of you guys. You did on Friday and then Saturday <laughs> yeah, driving yeah, to the you stadium. Did. You did. I was like, I don't even think Trey Sermon lives in Norman anymore. I literally told that to Carrie Friday driving down to the Big Twelve game because I had not seen him. I hadn't seen him on the field yeah. like pregame. And you could say, well, maybe they just don't want him on the sidelines during games to for fear that he gets crutches, hurt or something. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even see him during pregame. I don't see him during. Like when guys are le- walking out to practice, I don't see him. So it, it just, it was kind of weird. And then lo and behold, dude shows up walking off the bus. And I was like, oh, great. And then I guess there Marcellia was. Sutton, which was odd. There was that. Yeah, it was weird. That speculation because whoever that NFL draft guy was said that Trey Sermon has the best vision of any running back for this class. And then Trey quote tweeted that with a target. sound like a archery target. Yeah. yeah. And so that makes you think. He's thinking about it. Oh, sure. Yeah. He's at least thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and I just, I, well, I think that also comes from a fact of we just, we kind of know where that running back position is as far as if you have years left in your body, you better go use them because at the running back position, you're basically fresh meat for the NFL in a way. Like, sure. They're going to just throw you out if you can't do anything for them. Well, and that's I, the thing. You've got, you've got four running backs right now. Uh, with Trey Sermon included, and then you got two coming. Then you got five. Well, Marcus Major, yeah. Forget about him. You so would, you'd be seven deep if who? everyone stayed. But still, uh, Jace McClellan is still better than like all of them except Kennedy Brooks, in my opinion, potentially. Hell, I'll say he's. He'll, he, I I think he could be better than Trey Sermon. I mean, he he could be better than Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, but you don't know. I mean, I. I, he was pretty damn impressive when we saw him yes. two weeks ago, Josh. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, Jace's. It's an interesting thing because when I get into the conversation thick, of which of two those C's. two, yeah. <laughs> when I get in the conversation of of these two young running backs, McGowan and McClellan, which one could contribute earlier? Jace is the more natural runner. He is a guy that you can plug into almost any system, and he's going to see it. He'll run. He'll do all the things you need to do. While Seth is the physical specimen. I mean, Seth is the guy that's going to walk into that weight room and he's not going to have any problem keeping track. Now, Jace, like Eddie and I saw a couple weeks ago, has made some moves in that area. He looks a lot different than the guy I had seen the first few years of high school, which, you know, isn't that surprising. But he started to grow into his body, started to develop. Um, so it's kind of interesting when you get into that conversation of, you know, who could help the earliest. I, it kind of depends on what you're looking at and kind of what is going to be there in front of them. Like, I, 
Jace is a lot like Kennedy Brooks. I think he's a little he's gonna be a bigger guy. He's a little more physically put together, but he's an inside he runner. Run, yeah, the way he runs, the way he excels is in a very similar style to Kennedy Brooks. He wants to get north and south. He's gonna pick up tough yardage. He's got great feet, uh, good eyes. He sees things really well. As to where you have a guy like McGowan who in spite of having great feet and some of those other things, is a battering ram of a human being. He's just a big, sturdy guy that you need three, four yards. He can do that kind of like Trey Sermon. And it's just like Sermon, that may not be the way his game is designed, but that's what he can do for you very early. That's that's a very easy way for him to be a useful piece of the offense. Pledger Major, there's, there's the portal. It was kind of funny, like, seeing the uh, picture. Would... What? I was just going to say, I would be shocked if OU didn't do everything they could to keep Marcus Major. Everybody I've talked to says that yeah, dude yeah, he, has really a chance have. to be special if, if if he can, you know, if they can find a way to get him some carries. Oh, I I thought he was going to get some carries early in the season and just kind of never came around. And then at I'd the heard... point that you thought he was going to get carries in a game, or maybe he had proven enough in the practice realm of to get carries in a real game, he had the shoulder sur- or the elbow injury and. Wasn't able to play the rest. Of the I had game. heard, and I'll be honest, I've seen a little bit, maybe behind the scenes, oh. a little dark web. Um, you know, because Marcus Major had to Epstein? carry the ball a lot. Epstein <laughs> had to carry the ball a lot in practices because you know they're ta- they take it easy on Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. So, but I'd heard that you know the the stuff that he was doing in practice was really really impressive. No, I I mean I think that we anybody that saw him in high school, anybody that has seen him live. When he gets the foot, when he actually gets the football in his hands, he's a pretty <laughs> damn good running back. You got to realize that the redneck, though. I mean, he's the same guy that's like put Spencer Rattler in. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, do you want to know the best one I heard on the board this week? And I heard is the wrong word that I read on the board this week. Uh, somebody brought up Tidy Armin, and somebody goes, "Well, he's got to be better than Pat Fields." <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off! Like, just stop that. I- like I don't like early. There are times early in the year where you could knock those safeties. I thought. I mean, and we can get into that a little bit if you guys want to. I thought Delarian Turner Yell, other than C.D. Lamb, might have been Oklahoma's best player on Saturday. He was everywhere when I went back and watched the idiot. That dude. I mean, forced fumbles. Had the you know. Um, uh, I think he had three tackles for loss. Had a pass breakup on that in the late in the game. Uh, he, I like I said I. And I know he's kind of my guy, so it sounds like I'm tooting my horn, but I, I could not have been more impressed. I thought he really kind of is starting to put to bed that narrative that OU's got to fix their whole safety situation. I, Pat Fields, I love his instincts. I think he's such a smart player. He's a good kind of glue guy. But I can understand if you, can, if you want to make the case, okay, there's, there's probably a better option for them in, you know, in recruiting if they can find the right guy. DeLarn Turner Yell is starting to play like a difference maker, not just a, a a guy that can do what he has to do. The the entire thing is just I know I, we we kind of sound like broken records, but it's incredible the the massive jump that this entire group made. Like I tweeted about it uh I think it was on Monday or Tuesday this week just as far as I had a guy tell me oh he's going to be top 25 in total defense at the end of the year and oh, I literally said I said, bless your heart. I told him, bless your heart. That was on July 25th. And lo and behold, they finish up the regular season, win the Big 12 championship, headed back to a college football playoff, and 
oh by the way they're 24th in total defense it's it's just it's incredible the whole the entire thing and the way that they won the big 12 championship josh was just kind of it it kind of was a perfect ending to the season in that that's exactly what this team is just i mean is is this team gritty can we say they're gritty <laughs> I, I i i think so i think Eddie. they are like, and I don't. You, I remember you and I talking about it after the Kansas State game, where there was the whole comment about, "Well, this team can't handle adversity." All this team has done sure. since that damn Kansas State game is live with adversity, and they keep finding a way to get off the mat and make a play when they have to. Like I, I, like I said, it's not. I get that these games are not what Oklahoma fans have become accustomed to. They're so used to one or two games a year are going to be tight, and you're going to have to sweat it out. And the rest of the time, you're just beating people by five touchdowns. That's not how most people live. That's not usually the way it goes. And that's why nobody wants to give OU a shot at this playoff game. But at the same time, if you get into that game in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma knows what they're doing when they've been there. And LSU doesn't have a lot of experience in that kind of game. I, you know, I, I, I asked even Kenneth Murray the question after the game. And, and I got to say, like, I've said this many times, like, People always say, and God, the LSU fans are already coming out of the woodwork. Were you able to get a question in to yeah, Kenneth Murray I, after I the game? eventually was. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> you should have seen the the carry trying to get a question in in I the post game. I was like an Iranian. At one point, he had two hands up mocking the process because <laughs> it was such bullshit that they weren't calling on him. Uh, it was very funny. Anyway. That's amazing. So, you know, but for me, like, it's it's easy for me to say, and it, you know, we we all have said this before. We grew up as fans. That's not what we are. That's not what we do anymore. Uh, but we are kind of fans of people. We're fans of the players. We're fans of the guys that come in there every week and talk to us, and actually don't you know use the the scripted manual that they want them to use. And I mean, Kenneth Murray has played that role throughout his career. He's had to come in there and tell us a bunch of bullshit when the defense was terrible. Because, you know, he was the guy that they relied on. He was basically just punching in, saying a bunch of words and punching out. Like, he didn't mean anything that he was saying. Uh, I'm sure, you know, to some extent he did. But, like, he's a guy that's had to just, he's had the entire defense on the weight of the weight of the world on his shoulders because the defense has sucked. And he's been. He's the guy that has to answer for it. He's the guy that had all the criticism coming out of the Rose Bowl. Uh, he played okay in the Alabama game, but nobody really played all that well. Like, I I will love to see Kenneth Murray get a chance to take a real defense into the college football playoffs. Like, I love that storyline. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's kind of a... Almost in, a, in like a real sick way, it's like a payoff for what he went through over the first couple of years. And not only that he takes this defense in, but he's the central piece of it. Like, yeah. without Kenneth Murray, when he went down on Saturday, uh, we talked about it in the post game. I thought he tore his ACL. Like, I was like, I was having, like, flashbacks of, like, what are they going to do? Like, what if they do win this game? What are they going to do? I thought he was done for the year, but he gets up and the rest is history. But it's just good to see somebody like that, and who, by all accounts, seems like, you know, a very genuine, good person. And put Parnell Motley right next yeah, side, too. definitely. I mean, you throw all those seniors in there. Him, Neville Gallimore, and I know that Kenneth Murray's not a senior, but I think everybody kind of knows the writing on the wall there. Yeah. He's, he's going to go. Kind of like CD. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of a it's a good send-off for these guys uh, to have an opportunity, and as crazy as this season has been, it's even more wild to think that 
they had, they're back in the playoffs. Like I, I still can't get over the fact that this team has kind of in a way put it all together and has, I guess, a, a shot. I, I've been even saying though both this, of you have buried them already. Bob and Carrie, <laughs> you pointing to me. Both of you. We did in the post game. We we got ripped for just saying OU doesn't stand a chance of winning a national championship. I'm going to say this, and this is not pick them. This is not. Uh, this is no. Uh, <laughs> this is this is not anything new. I've been like a guy uh, sent me a, a DM through uh, Crimson Corner, and he, he he asked a hypothetical, which was, "What if this team played?" the you know the baker team and the kyler team like who would win and how much would they win by and i i really i think it's a fascinating conversation to have i don't know that this team has enough offense to beat those teams but that was before these last two games defensively yeah like you could make a legitimate argument that this team has a better chance in the playoffs than those two teams because of the defense i i think that's absolutely 100 percent a fact that this team is closer to a national title in a way. But then it's like they those both those both of the twenty eighteen or if the Jaylen twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen well. both that's have quali- the, that's the qualifier. <laughs> that's it. If Jalen Hurts yeah. doesn't, doesn't turn have it over if he doesn't turn the ball over. But I also think that like is the qualifier for the twenty seventeen and twenty eight teams different because like I I think that we're gonna have to like be removed from it for ten years to realize that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, what they did offensively, it's it's some of the best football that literally the sport has it ever seen. It may never be duplicated. It yeah. may never be done and again. Like all that's all the those draft guys picks are, that were on those two offenses. Yeah, two. <laughs> well, I guess more than two. DD and what Mark Andrews Marquise, and the whole offensive line. That's what I mean. The entire offensive line, like exactly. That's what I'm getting at. CD Lamb will be included as part of that too. Creed Humphrey. Yeah, I mean... I guess, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, watch the Ravens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're basically watch OU. It's crazy, though, just to think, like, they were historically good offenses. But, Kerry, what I think you said is right in that this team is... I This team is closer to winning an... I said this, this morning. This, these, this team and this program is closer to... And it was talking about Lincoln Riley and the Cowboys and all that. But... This this group and where they're headed from a recruiting standpoint, from a program, just overall, they're closer to winning a national championship in the next five years than they have been at any point in the last five years. Is Agreed. that cra- is that crazy to say? Agreed. And OU's been in the college football playoff with historically good offenses to the last three years. Well, could you look at? It? I mean, but it that's, hasn't won. Not, I mean, that's the, the I mean, biggest thing. Yeah. Murray is probably gone. Gallimore's obviously gone. You lose Parnell Motley, which has suddenly become a loss for this defense. Say it, Josh. And I, I, I mean, I said it early in the game when he on uh, Baylor's first possession when Motley was in space and made a play. I was like, my brain can't make myself say that Parnell Motley, like around the ball, is a good thing for Oklahoma. Like I can't compute it still after all this time. But he's guys. I mean, he may have been robbed of being an All Big Twelve corner. Like Parnell Motley. I, I don't know if you guys saw the stat I put out yesterday. Denzel Mims in the first three games averaged nine catches for 133 yards in his career against Oklahoma and zero for zero on Saturday. That's that's unbelievable. But it, but anyway, that's not really what I wanted to get into. Look at all the young talent. Nick Benito had a great yeah. game. David Aguebu yeah. looks like oh, a star. Ronnie a Perkins, Jalen Redmond, 
Jaden Davis. I mean, you you run uh, and I, I mentioned Turner Yale. Pat Fields is becoming a solid piece at safety. He's not a superstar, but he's a guy. He's not going to beat you. You're not going to lose because of Pat Fields. So, I mean, there's a lot to buy into, and then you throw that offense that really, other than C.D. Lamb, is going to return every key piece it needs. I, you know, that that's that's huge. I mean, that that group next year don't forget about Tyde Armin much better. Well, yeah, I mean, I gotta give piece. I give the shout out to Pin because that was a complete joke, and he was doing it for all the people <laughs> that talk about bringing in Rattler. Tide, that was a great just throw out any name out there. And again, oh, I know. Again, I had to tell my best friend this last night because uh, he called me because it was my birthday. Um, so I had to tell him like he was talking about. Wait, what, is what your birthday Rattler? today? Yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. Um, you guys didn't <laughs> recognize it. it. Um, well, shit, happy birthday, man. My happy bad. Birthday. I really tried to... No, it's knew. too late. It's too late. It's too over. Late. It's gone. Damn it. It's um, your birthday month. It's your birthday week. Can we still not... I'm putting it in the phone. <laughs> this will never happen again. Well, so, yeah. This... Sidebar. Uh-oh. I don't think... You don't, don't put think... it on Facebook, so you... I can't... Go no, to my it. Facebook page. Well, I don't I don't search out for people's birthdays. They usually just come it to me. It is on it Facebook. Never popped my up. birthday is on Did Facebook. Did it pop up? It's on Facebook. See, I didn't... I, that's... That's my I deactivated fault. Facebook. <laughs> All right, carry on. Carrie, now We're sorry. I, I do want to say um, it wasn't in my calendar. I'm currently entering it as I say this, but I do want to also say it was also Laney's library book return day. Okay, so it's my a big God. day in the question household. <laughs> Holy shit! Was, yeah, big day. <laughs> easily forgotten. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Bonuses are canceled for Christmas. The Jelly of the Month Club will not happen for any of you. Oh, damn it's it. gift that keeps on giving. See, that's the bad thing about having a guy that controls the paychecks with a birthday so close <laughs> to Christmas. You dick him over, bonuses disappear. Talk to my lawyer about that. Um, okay, anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Um, I don't even know. What were we talking about? Uh, you were talking about somebody made a good point on <laughs> Twitter. I think we're done. Okay. Yeah, with that. I mean, just the whole the defense team has a better chance this year. By the way, uh, let me tell you about MidFirst Bank. Uh, the proud uh, sponsor, well, I don't know how proud they are. They knew what they were getting into. We just don't know how they feel I think about they're it. they're proud. Uh, they uh, proud title sponsor of the podcast. They're also proud to be the exclusive provider of the OU credit card. If you go to uh, this website, midfirst.com slash U40, they made a special URL just for the pod, uh, midfirst.com slash U40, uh, and sign up for the OU Rewards credit card. You can earn $150 back uh, when you spend $1,000 on the card in the first 90 days. There's a Apply Now button right there. Uh, we told you about this card all season. Uh, it just It's got the big OU logo on it. When you take the card out, everybody's going to know you're a huge OU fan. Uh, you can uh, also be entered to win for the ultimate game day experience because every qualifying purchase made with your OU Rewards credit card earns you a chance to win the ultimate game day experience with uh, VIP tickets to a football or basketball game, plus 500 bucks. So go sign up now, midfirst.com slash U40 for the OU Rewards credit card. Thanks to MidFirst Bank for being our title sponsor of the podcast. Okay, so OU is number four. They're going to take on LSU number one. It's going to be in Atlanta, which... Uh, We'll be full of LSU fans, but thank God you won't be on Bourbon Street. That was... Look, I, LSU fans are pretty terrible, but I'm not sure that that wasn't the perfect storm. 
like Bourbon Street, Sugar Bowl, LSU, OU National Championship. And even Bob Stoops says something about how tough that was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was awful, man. I mean, I I don't ever wear OU stuff. Like, and people were still jumping right in front of me and screaming tiger bait in my face. Just drunken assholes. I mean, you were probably there as a student, weren't you, Eddie? Uh, no, I was not in school yet. Oh, I was still was in o- high school. I'm thinking oh nine for some reason. Yeah, so I, I was in Miami. Uh, yeah, I was. I didn't go down to that uh, to back God, to uh, New Orleans, but it Old. it definitely feels like that was kind of the pinnacle. Anytime any any OU fan that went that did go to that game, absolutely, or LSU even comes up, it's like oh. Let me tell you about Bourbon Street. Let me tell you about 2004. And it didn't like immediately hit me. Just like, I it was like okay, LSU and like I, oh shit, they're fans. Like it took me a minute. Like they're terrible. It's a, um, it's gonna be a fun. It's a, it already is fun, but it's gonna be a fun what, 18 days, 17 days, just as far as the build up into this one. Because I think that anybody that turns on a national show gets the gist of kind of the narrative that is out there over the next 17 days. It's going to be fun. And I'm definitely not somebody that subscribes to the idea that, like, oh, well, OU's going to try and win more now because everybody's <laughs> talking shit on them. Like, They're not going to be short of motivation. Does, it, does sure. it play, like, a factor? Or does it play a part in the game? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Like, I, I definitely... It maybe gets you a little bit more focused. Maybe you, you go harder in a practice drill... Uh, because of stuff like that. But when the game starts, I don't think that Ronnie Perkins in the back of his mind is going to be thinking, oh, I'm going to show Greg McElroy that he's wrong. I'm going to go tackle Joe Burrow right here. Like He's going to go do that because he this is what he's been basically building his career towards. Kenneth Murray the same. Like It's, it's, it's not uh, just necessarily a, a huge factor in the game, but I do think that like people get, I get sick of listening about it. I mean, yeah, there, it, there's you can, and you can't avoid it. I mean, exactly. you no, be able yeah, to you avoid can't it. because everybody loves college football. You watch the ESPN shows, you watch the Fox shows. It's like, but there are two segments of those people. Like, and I think we talked about it on the post game pod. Just as far as you have your Jim Morris and Jonathan Vilmas, that it's very obvious that they don't watch the football games, and so fuck them basically. And then you have guys like the David Pollocks of the world that he just doesn't think OU's good. And I, I, I respect that. At least he stands up there and says it. Like, I think he does watch the games. He just doesn't think OU's any good. And that's okay. Like, that's his opinion. That I'm off my soapbox now. I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a big like, difference I, between... I think people have, like, obviously see my Twitter timeline and been giving it to Mora or Jim Jonathan Vilma or whoever. It's like, at least Pollock, I think he watches the games. He just doesn't think they're any good. Yeah. I think Greg McElroy watches the games. He just doesn't think he'll use any good, which that's okay. Like that's that's his opinion. I I would almost be offended if it was the other way around and he like just started kissing ass like Jim Mora did saying that Jalen Hurts is one of the is is the, <laughs> the best, best quarterback, quarterback in the playoffs. Like but what's, get out of here. What's like, bizarre that's, to me mocking me. What's bizarre to me if if people really were paying attention and watching OU football there would be more takes out there about Jalen Hurts being uh, a weakness of this team than a strength. Oh, if people were watching well, the games, I don't think Jalen Hurts would be going to New York City. Is that fair? Like, is that I, too I much? That's, that's fair. No, I think you're dead on. because, I, And I do want to say, because we kind of were talking about Greg McElroy, and he brought up a point that the, he thinks the biggest difference between OU and LSU is Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. And I don't disagree at all. 
I think they're pretty evenly matched. I think Joe Burrow just brings something to that offense that Oklahoma doesn't have right now, and that's a vertical passing game. And that that lends itself to the whole Spencer Rattler argument. And somebody asked me, you know, in the thread, what would it be like if Spencer Rattler played? I think right now in the season, oh, you'd be in a better spot. And I, 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 you can't plug him in now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if he'd been the guy from day one, I think this offense is a lot more dynamic. And I think, yep, that that's what leads you into this conversation. But like I said, I wanted to give McElroy credit because he freaking, I mean, like, he's right. I He's actually saying OU and LSU are pretty similar other than the quarterback position. Josh, it's going to be Jason White and Paul Thompson all over again. Oh, boy. That was a debate, uh, wasn't it? That was the dumbest summer debate of all time. It, it dominated it radio airwaves for the entire offseason. What do you well, think? And, Go ahead, Josh. Why, why wouldn't you have put Paul in? I mean, Oklahoma had so much belief in him, they moved him to receiver. So, I mean, you know, it's that, that made all the sense in the world when people Josh were trying Jason to push White that can way. hardly walk. <laughs> Jason White could throw and did miss Keywon Jones. What do you think Paul the chances... Thompson would hit that pass. What do you think the chances are of Oklahoma taking a snap in Atlanta, Georgia, with Spencer Rattler and Jalen Hurts on the field at the same time? Ooh. I would. What about very first play? Spencer it's already Rattler been it's already been field. coined the Venom package by the Bagman. <laughs> I'm I'm working on a copyright on that already. <laughs> by the Bagman, I like that. Uh, it, real people, real name, real copyright. It's it's in the process of happening. I would say. Just based on knowing how Lincoln Riley likes to operate, I I almost say there's a better than a fifty percent chance that that happens. I'm not saying the entire game. I really I'm saying want to one make, game. I really want to make a, like a really cool graphic now, like a the Venom, Venom movie poster. I think we should with just, Jalen Hurts. I think we should just carry it out and Spencer act Rattler. like it's a thing. And I think we should. All right, deal. The Venom package is done. In. Just it's remember done. that it, the Bagman started it. Uh, you know. The only and the reason I don't think it'll happen is because I think it sends such a clear indication to Tanner Mordecai. Well, yeah, I mean he's the backup quarterback. That's what I'm saying. That's what, like, I, I, that, oh, that's what I was bringing up before the whole birthday thing started. My friend <laughs> was like, uh, he was like, "What's the chance that you know Spencer Rattler could come in the game if things go bad?" And I was like, "He's not the backup not quarterback the backup. for one thing." Like. If they're going to put in another quarterback, it's going to be Tanner Moore. Like, if they put in Spencer Rattler, right? I mean, I don't know, unless you're going to have a quarterback competition in, in these practices leading up to the bowl or something and then rename your number two. I mean. Oh, that's what the first the first question on site to Lincoln Riley when we get to Atlanta. Who's, your, who's backup? your backup for the game? That's what it Is should you, be. No, it, it doesn't have to be. The question that will elicit a response is, has Spencer Rattler moved to your number two backup quarterback? Sources have yet? said. Yeah. Sources have indicated. What was uh? What were Tua's numbers in the second half of that game? Does anybody? I can't find the box score when he replaced Jalen. Yes. Because I was going to make a hot take, and I could be just completely misremembering the game in a way. But I just remember Jalen's hurts numbers were awful. He was terrible. I, I think mean, everybody thought awful. that Tua should go into the game, but in a way, like. Is Tua's legacy different, I guess is what I'm asking. Is his legacy different if they don't complete the fourth and uh, – or the second and 26? If they don't win that game, of course it right. is, yeah. I mean, like, if he doesn't throw that touchdown pass. Not saying Tua's not good. I'm not saying that. I don't want people to run out there and say that I have said like, that he's shitty. But, like, if he just like, beats out 
Jalen Hurts in the fall the next year and becomes a starting quarterback, the legend that's around. But him even if Tua exist. comes into the game, Jalen Hurts three of eight, twenty-one yards. Jesus Christ. Tua fourteen of twenty-four, one sixty-six, three touchdowns and an interception. Okay, I mean he was really good. That's worth a legend right there yeah, in a no, national championship sure. game against Georgia. But I'm saying, I guess what I'm trying to paint the picture of. The idea that Spencer Rattler can just step into an offense and deliver a second and 26 game winning touchdown in the national championship game, like maybe we should celebrate what Tua did more as uh, a feat that probably will never happen again in a way mm-hmm. than rather thinking, well, you just take Hertz out of the game and you're going to be. You're going to be a national champion. You're yeah. going to be able to throw for 350 just do, yards. It, but you don't have the guts to do it because they Yeah, did exactly. It. It just, that that whole entire like narrative kind of bugs me. I just don't think that it's it's just one of those things. Like it happened, so people think that it it's think a, it'll it's, happen again. It's a move right. now. Okay. Yeah. Like it's a it's a it's it's strategery. It's, you know, it's like if you it's a strategic advantage. If well, I mean, hell, look at Z, look at Zeno. Did he throw for more yardage than than Tua did in his? Yeah, nah, with two did, throws. Yes. <laughs> he didn't throw for 166, though, did he? He 81 78. That's, I thought he had 169 so like one, after that. Oh, second that's, touchdown. So that's, well, that's it, but he it's never like completed the pass. Yeah, so yeah, one, one, 159. Well, I mean, I mean, if you want to count the Denzel Mims completion, then yeah, he got it. Yeah, sure. Zero for yeah. zero. <laughs> two things that were just completely, not to backtrack on the Big 12 championship game, but looking back on it. The fact that Mims didn't catch a pass and the fact that Leron Stokes didn't play a snap were two of the more mind-blowing stats to come out of that game. Yep. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I, people were asking on that thread, and I never even saw it until yesterday. Um, but I, I don't think there was anything... Cr- I mean, his snaps have been kind of deteriorating. And I think you look at the pressure they were getting, they were just... I mean... Oh, it's hard to argue with between what Between Benito and Redmond on that one end, I mean, they were just dominating the game. I watched back the second half. I guess that was yesterday. They were replaying it on ESPNU. And just the way that Redman and Benito both, like, it, it's like, holy All the shit. Games not, only, playing, yeah. not only the are they, and like, twists and- playing well and it looked like communicating well with each other pre-snap. I mean, those guys are going to be really, really good over the next couple years. Yeah. And then you add Aguebu in there. Yeah, and Stripling. I mean, they're all sophomores or younger. Basically, that entire defense. And Aguebu is just a baby. I mean, he's going to get in the weight room and blow up, and my God, he's going to be something else. There's a lot to like over on that side of the ball, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I there's a lot to talk about, a lot to break down. I mean, uh, the team's going to be out there, you know, around the 22nd, 23rd, somewhere around there. And uh, I know uh, we'll be out there. We're going to be doing a bunch of new stuff for the bowl game this year, which is going to be really cool. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that as we get closer, but some more immediacy coming to you at Sooner Scoop. For sure. I'm excited about it. This is going to be a fun week down in Atlanta. Josh, I mean, how much have you actually been able to watch of LSU this year? I, I'll i be honest. I haven't seen a whole lot of them just because... They're usually our, playing with OU. Yeah, our, <laughs> our responsibilities on Saturday don't allow us to just sit down and be able to watch it. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll ignore that shot, but, um, you know, my lazy ass is just doing nothing. I got you. I got you. That's Eddie. not what I meant. <laughs> no, we um, know that that's your babysitting day. Yeah. You're working hard. So, um, no, I've had a chance to watch them. I watched, obviously, I, I would say about 
three-fourths of the, the Georgia game last weekend and have seen them, you know, saw a lot of the Alabama game, saw obviously a lot of the Texas game. Uh, I actually used that as my breakdown uh, for the under the hood I did for Texas. They're, I mean, they're very good. It's just, it's one of those things, it's a lot like Oklahoma. You've got to change your perception of what you think of LSU as. Like, if you think it's a bunch of first-round NFL draft picks on the defensive line, it's not. Caleb Von Shashan, he's that dude. He's that kind of guy. They don't have a whole bunch of those other guys, at least not yet. I mean, yeah. now they've got some young guys that are good players that are going to be somebody, but they're not there yet. It's not what you're used to seeing. And it's also, I mean, I, I know we everybody should know Joe Burrow by now, but, I mean, this is not like a, oh, well, they just play against SEC defenses that don't know how to play the spread. No, no. Joe Burrow is really, really freaking good. I don't know. If you got, I mean, I'm sure everybody saw it by now, but that play he made against Georgia where he scrambles right and hits Jefferson and then Jefferson almost scores, that, that's a Heisman play all day, every day. There aren't many guys in the country that could make that play. Like, here's what, I mean, I noticed this a lot throughout the year in the Big 12. Like, you just didn't have quarterbacks in the Big 12 this year that could make that play down the field where you might have been step for step with a guy. But it was a perfect throw. Like, you would see that every weekend back in the Baker and the Patrick Mahomes and Mason Rudolph and, God, go down the list. I mean, uh, there would be quarterbacks in this league. (laughs) You would see it was Seth Nolan when he had those receivers. On the right weekend. Yeah. Carter Uh, Stanley. He had one of those throws. (laughs) One one throw, and they took a 7-0 lead. Let it go. Uh, no, but, but, no you're, but I mean, you're right. But though, he is Joe Burrow is that guy. Is he? If if the receiver has one step on the DB, he's going to get him the ball in the perfect position. And to me, that's why this is a this kind of, Oklahoma's defensive line has to play the best game they've played all year. That's a good LSU offensive line, and Oklahoma's going to have to find a way to get pressure because that secondary cannot play man to man and deal with those receivers for four or five seconds it's it's just it's not realistic to expect Oklahoma's gonna have to find some ways to get him off his spot make him move around and be uncomfortable that that's I mean this is the way you beat every good quarterback you have to make them move around they, they just can't be stationary picking you apart back there because you'll lose that, that's just the, that's why they're so good um and, you know, the the part that goes unnoticed, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their running back, is really, really good. I mean, he is a great complement to what they do offensively. The number 22 kid. The ball. Yeah. yeah. yeah the guy really that had good. the spin move that everybody watches against Alabama. I mean, he's, he's righteously good. So, I mean, this is a huge test for Oklahoma. And, guys, Kerry, when you were talking about that, it got me thinking, who's the best passer OU faced this year? Is it Brock Purdy? Yeah, probably. I... I mean, that tells you where quarterbacking is in the Big 12 right now. We, we bag on the SEC, and, and rightfully for a long time, I, I would say the SEC had better quarterback play than the Big 12 this year. I mean, TCU's got a youngster. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to go through all the games. You know, Spencer Sanders had some moments when he had Tyler Wallace. Yeah, they were just didn't moments. Play him, though. Yeah, they so say they'd have to face either of those. Um, what I mean, about Skyler uh, Thompson looked like one of those quarterbacks Sam when Elinger. you played him? <laughs> yeah, Elinger just had a terrible year. And it, I I don't think that it would be Charlie Brewer. No, Charlie no. Brewer maybe the the second best though, right? I don't know. Ugh. Maybe I, the first time around, like the first half, first half of the I, first game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just didn't. I don't see that spark out of Brewer as a pass. I do. I don't either. I don't either. Zeno, that first throw, you're like, whoa, that looked different yeah. coming out of his yeah. hand. And I don't know about you guys. 
I got kind of jacked up watching that game thinking, this OU Baylor thing, this could go on for a little while. Oh, I, mean, I, I thought the exact same thing. with yep. When Matt Rule and uh, Lincoln were talking before the game, I I was standing next to another one of the camera guys, and I, I said, wouldn't it be awesome if both of these guys could stay around this conference for you know, five, ten years? But I, you know, I just... Maybe it's it's definitely looking through the OU's perspective of things, but I think Rule is closer to leaving Baylor than Riley leaving. Yeah, Oklahoma. and I don't know how much is left. You know, with the way he views recruiting and the way he's going to recruit because of that, I don't know how long that talent pool is going to be sitting around in Waco. He seems like yeah. a guy that's going to drain you Yeah, uh, if he doesn't get out of there from a talent perspective. He feels like an NFL guy in a lot yeah. of ways. There, there's no doubt. Um, Plus, just like the you, stuff Eddie. about, like, it's so, like, they're going in such the different direction. Like, Eddie saw this. It looked like, like, they have, they're a Nike school, but, like, their warm-up jerseys look like they went down to the local, uh, you know, iron-on store. Something that you would expect Wachahatchee to be yeah, wearing or something. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a no division, like a division three team or something out there warming up. Like, they're just wearing basic t-shirts with numbers on them. It's like uh, uh, it's like the the team mom had uh, ironed the numbers yeah, on yeah. before the game. It's like a, I mean, there's a reason he wears a smock like that. It's like he is very non flashy, and their uniforms are back to being very traditional. Like he is, he's not, he's not, he's not going to be recruiting the type of kids that Art Bryles was. No, he's just different. He's so much different. I mean, obviously, for all the obvious reasons, he's so much different than Art Bryles. But the guy's just, I mean. I don't know. There's any other way to say it. Like I don't know how you could listen to Matt Rule talk and not walk away yeah. thinking like, I love this guy. I love everything that this guy does. But he's going to have to evaluate, and he's going to sure. have to hit on a lot of three stars, a lot of two stars. There's no well, doubt about he, that. He's always going to have to because even right now, where he might get a few guys in Central Texas that he wouldn't normally get, with Texas being a little on shaky ground, that's not going to last. As soon as the next Texas coach comes in, whoever the hell it may be, whether they're good, bad, or otherwise they'll immediately get that bump and Texas will be back in the top 10 and Baylor won't get those guys. And because Texas kids just want to believe in UT Baylor just gets treated like the little stepbrother. They always will. College football playoff definitely treats them that way. I mean, the whole conference, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Gary Patterson's getting some pressure now. Oh, I talked to some people over the weekend. I think I told you, Carrie, that it basically sounds like the, the big money people down in Fort Worth, you either put up or shut up this year for Gary Patterson, which is really weird for a coach to be in that spot, considering he has a, everything he's done, yeah, and, and he has a statue it. on the state in yeah. the in the on the campus of him. I mean, it's just it's for Gary Patterson. He's always kind of had a very thin line, and he's let's face it, he's relied on some questionable characters as his best players over the years. No, there's no doubt about that. I mean, especially at the quarterback position. Sure. So I, I mean, he's just. I mean, they can. They're on the edge all the time, and this was a year where they got caught in a bad position with quarterbacks. The well, the last, stuff the didn't last work. two, years. yeah, last two years, they um, haven't been close to meaning anything. So, yeah, I mean, I could see why you know TCU wants a little bit more, and I mean, he's been there forever, and it's just like I keep saying, it's hard to be at a place for 15, 16 years now. It just people want something new. They, the, the attention span of everyone, even. <laughs> the olds is or shorter than 15 Gary's years. Gary's got to adapt. Yeah. And have, we haven't really seen that. And he's since. always been old school. He did Cumbie and Meacham. When he did that, that re-energized mm -hmm. the program. Now he needs something of that equivalent. But, yeah, I mean, and Matt Campbell looks like he's going to stick at Iowa State. And 
I mean, God, I don't know how much. I mean, there's some some of the same similar rumblings about Gundy at Oklahoma State, kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, those seem like those happen once a year, don't they? Well, I mean, not about him leaving, but just about people kind of being like, now that Boone. Oh yeah, I got you. I got you. Like he he might just decide, you know. Be interesting. Be interesting. He's made enough money; he could just hang it up. Oh, that's he would definitely be taking the. Bob Stoops pr- yeah. trajectory, right? Watching. No, I think that's how Mike Gundy goes out. He does the Bob Stoops thing. I don't. I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I tweeted something on Saturday after the game, and it was kind of along the same lines of what we're talking about. Like, man, there's a lot of really great coaching in the Big Twelve right now. I mean, we've talked about it a little on the pod, so I won't go into all of it again. But I mentioned Mike Gundy as one of those great coaches, and they're like Gundy. I mean, I got Oklahoma State fans that were like, "What? Are you kidding?" He's responsible for the greatest run in your program's history. What are you talking yeah. about? Like, I, I don't know what you think. And it's just... It's but you know, Oregon, talk Oregon about. got kind of sick of Bilotti, too, in the same way. Yes. You're right. And, and like, it's like you've forgotten who you are. And I, I get with Oregon, they can still kind of act that way. They've still got Phil Knight. Oklahoma State's, and they're on sketchy ground without Boone. I mean, they don't have that money that whenever they need something to get fixed or get right... Okay, here it is. This is going to take care of it. I heard the plumbing's going to shit in that place. In the boom? Yeah. I'm kidding. It's... I pissed outside. I just on the side of the stage. No big deal. <laughs> you know, in a way, I think it's kind of, you know, in a real odd way to, like, wrap it back into OU. I think it a lot of Oklahoma State's frustration, a lot of the those schools that we're talking about that, you know, don't really maybe know how good they have it until it's gone type thing is – a direct result of usually an Oklahoma or, um, you know, Oregon's case, I think it was USC at the time. Those other big blue blood programs were just so good that it's hard to get over that hump. It's hard for, like, I, I think the the big takeaway from Stillwater this year was, oh, it's official. If it's not already, Mike Gundy has an Oklahoma problem. Not Maybe to an extent, and maybe that's a good way to justify it to yourself, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, but at the same time, it's like Texas who, had an Oklahoma State who, problem. Who the whole, is that beating whole time Oklahoma too. right now, though? Yeah. At that at that level, nobody yeah. is, and nobody has for the last twenty years. Yeah, I mean, it's just it it is it's strange because you've seen people like Iowa State kind of come up. Uh, Texas has been down. I mean, it just throws everything out of whack. Yeah. I mean, and Oklahoma State's been. One of the better teams, you know, in this conference for a while. I mean, they literally, they they literally have been the second best team, and they didn't have any scandal like Baylor to, you know, rip them apart or anything like that. I mean, they just kind of did it how they do it. Yeah, it's just I I think it's a tough spot, especially for a guy like Mike Gundy, because it's a little unfair that he's always going to be put up. His results of what his program is will always be matched against Oklahoma, and I mean, there's a handful of teams that are doing exactly what Oklahoma's doing or even trying to attempt it. I mean, my God, we're talking about a team that I think everybody knows the score, lost four offensive linemen, lost a Heisman Trophy winner, had a new defensive staff, and they still found a way to win the conference for the fifth straight year. They're still back in a college football playoff. So it's just, it's a tough conversation to have. By the way, uh, it, we were recording this pod on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday night will be the Home Depot College Football Awards. Uh, I know that the Joe Moore Award for finals came out. Oklahoma was not one of them. I think uh, Alabama. No, I missed that. I didn't even see that. Georgia. Yeah, Beat and Bell wish congrats to them. 
LSU was one fair. Of them. LSU. I don't think there's uh-huh. there's no qualms in that, is and there? And Michigan was no. the other one. Yeah. No, that that's not a that that offensive line is it's not. I mean, they're good. They're better than probably should have reasonably been expected for all they lost last year. But they're they're nowhere near last year's group right now. I I, I wonder how much the Big Twelve Championship gives Ceedee Lamb a little bit of a boost here at the end. I don't know what that voting process is like. Like when it usually happens. Uh, I would think it kind of goes along with everybody else where it's just happened recently and online. Uh, the Heisman is on Saturday. Of course, it was announced Jalen Hurts will be in New York for that. Uh, Joe Burrow and then two Ohio State players uh, in Justin Fields. and uh, I, I, I can't ever remember the defensive Chase Chase, I want to say Cody Thomas for some reason. Uh, Chase Young. I wish it was Cody Thomas. <laughs> be awesome. I bet Cody Thomas is a better baseball player than Chase Young. So, but yeah, I mean, we all expect Joe Burrow is going to win that thing. Uh, none of us expect Jalen Hurts is going to win that thing because I think no, no, no. Most no. of us are more like do not, do not go into Saturday night thinking yes. Jalen Hurts is going to no, win the Heisman. Don't do it's it. It's motivation afterward, man. It's not going to happen. <laughs> That's okay too because I think that anybody that would have said at the beginning of the year Jalen Hurts is going to be a Heisman Trophy con- uh, finalist, it's, I think anybody would have said yes. It, it's a take it's, it. I will say this: like the best part about that is just that oh, you can brag about that. that oh yeah, they, they can no make doubt. up their signs about Lincoln Riley had a Heisman year. Trophy finalist every year he's been here, uh, and that's you know that's that's what attracted guys like Spencer Rattler here in the first yeah. place. So it's what you know Brock Vandegrift you know attracts him here. So it'll keep attracting talent. Is it, and is then it you possible? Hope, you hope that CD wins the bullet. Yeah. In the I was gonna say, is it possible they finish one two? With LSU, OU, Heisman, Burrow, Hurts, Politnikoff, Jamar Chase, and CeeDee Lamb. Is it weird that in past years, does it feel like sometimes, and I don't think voters look into it, look at it this way, but it's kind of like the, you know, one, I forget which, which quarterback award it is, but it's like the Heisman usually wins this one. And Maxwell the, and Walter is it the, the Maxwell and the Walter Heisman, camp that, that usually stuff. goes to somebody else. It's usually the did it, Maxwell. Did Rudolph wins the, the Maxwell wins the Heisman? Okay, and then the Davy O'Brien. Davy O'Brien is maybe what I'm thinking in. of. Because Rudolph won one of them the year that Mayfield won the Heisman. I want to say, I don't remember how that shook out, but I guess my point was, in a weird way, do you think that maybe Lamb wins the Blitnikoff because Burrow wins the Heisman? No. Okay. I don't. I, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to. I, I know Chase's numbers Door are. Door slam shot. I know Chase's numbers are better, and I think you know. Him well, if not you're off numbers, Waco, though, Tylen Wallace should have won it last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now he's also playing for the best team, so it's got yeah. your your no. your perfect combination there. That's sure. And what Lamb did in the Big Twelve Championship game was sensational, but what he did in Bedlam and TCU. I think will be held against him a little bit because I don't know if Chase had one of those down games. He he might have just because of the fact they were dom they were dominating so much. But I I think what Chase his body of work will be enough to usurp Lamb. Let me ask you this, Josh, because you're not here in Oklahoma, so you're the the best person to ask about this. You don't hear all the talk like we hear about Chuba Hubbard. Uh, but in your mind, is Chuba Hubbard the best running back in the country, or is it? J.K. Dobbins, or is it uh, the kid at Wisconsin? I would probably have Dobbins in front, but I think it's real close. Like I, I, I totally get the argument. I think Chuba has a case. Um, the idea that OSU fans thought he was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, like that never was even a possibility 
for the last month. I don't know why anybody got that in their head. I don't I don't understand it. I don't know where that comes from. But he was never getting invited. Now, if you want to say he's one of the best players, sure. But that's not what the Heisman Trophy is. He's he, the best he, player on the he, best team, yeah. He was not on a good enough team. Flat. I mean, all four of the finalists play for playoff teams. Yeah, like, I think if Oklahoma State had the year that Baylor had, then, yeah, yep. he would be in New York. But, and I've said this a hundred times, it feels like, you know, uh, the year Barry Sanders won it, they went 10-2. and two. They lost against two top ten teams in Oklahoma and Nebraska. That was 1988, though. But I'm still and two saying of the that, best teams that, in the whole country. That's still like you know Tim Brown won it in that era because he basically because he played for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think they went to the Cotton Bowl the year he won it. I think there's yeah, a I, very outline formula to win the Heisman Trophy in what I call the modern era of the Heisman Trophy. And the modern era, I guess, would be post Mark Ingram. Just as far as I don't think a running back will ever win the award again. I think he, I mean, he um, will, un, he unless, will. Unless he comes from a blue blood program. Yeah, I agree. That part I go with. No, you. I mean, but that's, that's, that's a horrible qualifier. I mean. I know. You can win. <laughs> you just said a guy will never win the Heisman again unless he plays for a blue blood. I mean, you can. Yeah. Sort of running back. It's possible. Running back, running back. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's possible for a blue blood, like, well, Let's just say Wisconsin. They're not a blue blood. Okay, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's say, let's say they are the number one seed in the college football playoff, and they are like they are, which is a power running team that does some play action, uh, and Jonathan Taylor is you know leading the nation in rushing. He'll probably win a Heisman if that's the case. And there is no Joe Burrow, and there is no Ohio State. Would Shuba Hubbard be in New York City if he was at Oklahoma this year? It's possible nobody would be because he and Jalen Hurts would knock each other out. I think that's fair. Okay. Right. That I'd have a hard time. But Hurts' numbers would take a drastic hit, wouldn't they? Just I mean, it, it's a tough game to play. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I think that if if OU was 8-4, and four, Chuba Hubbard had the type of year that he had this year, Jalen Hurts isn't at Oklahoma. We'll just take him out of the and equation. And they have, like, Trevor Knight as their quarterback? Sure. Who... I thought it's pretty debatable. Is Jalen Hurts? One of our buddies said this. Jalen Hurts is Trevor Knight, but with Lincoln Riley as is offensive coordinator, coordinator, which yeah. I thought was pretty damn funny and maybe accurate. Do you think Oklahoma would send an eight and four running back like a Chuba Hubbard to New York? No, I think there would be a much better chance. He would he would have been talked about. They wouldn't have had. He would have been talked about. But they're eight a and lot four. More. He would be talked about that. Not if they're eight and four. I think he would have been talked about a lot more. If they're eight and four, they're talked about like Sam Ellinger has talked about it for a Heisman candidate. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think that logo has a lot to do with it. It didn't have anything to do with it for for Ellinger. But they were basically looking for every like he didn't deserve it. If he would have played well, he might have had a chance. Flip it around. Put Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma State. Any chance no in hell chance. Jalen Hurts is... Yep. Well, and let, I mean, but if Oklahoma State won the Big 12 and it was Jalen, all, all those national people probably would have voted for him because it was a great story. Maybe. And I think that there is a little bit to do with just as far as Chuba goes. He, you know, when when people were actually watching, like the Bedlam game. That's what or, I was going to say. You, know, you have to show up in the biggest game. The West Virginia yep. game, even though it's not fair, it, it was an 11 a.m. game that people were watching because that's because it was a weekend that 
you could watch football. I thought Jonathan way. Taylor might sneak in because of the way he played against the Buckeyes. It's just yeah, a weird. It's a, it's a weird award. They I wouldn't have to win that game. I think the entire thing is a fraud, just as far as the way that it's set up. I think that to have, I think what's what's the number like eight seventy something voting for the award. That's your first problem. There shouldn't be that many votes out. You can say that, but Lamar Jackson wasn't from a blue blood, and he won it in recent years. I and I I completely accept that point because I I do think though at the same time, from a statistical standpoint. And what he did when he did have the people watching, it's hard Absolutely. to argue against what Lamar Jackson was. And I think, you know, what he's doing in the NFL now obviously kind of proves that point that, yeah, he probably was the best player that year. Yeah. You well, just have to have a year where all the blue has bloods a, are having a down year. Yep. Or don't and it have was. A star player. And yeah. it was yep. because who? Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson should have won it probably. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. But, I mean, Jackson played so well, put up stats nobody'd ever seen before. Well, and he did remember what he did against against, against Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, right. they, they didn't lose that oh. Clemson game because of because of Lamar Jackson. They almost won that game because of Lamar Jackson. That was the only reason they were within five touchdowns yeah. of that Clemson team. Definitely. I don't know. It's just it's an inter- interesting conversation to have. To say that I believe that the Heisman Trophy is... It's still the most... It's probably still the most, uh, it's the biggest amateur award in sports, I would say. Uh, I think the uh, appeal of winning the Heisman or having a player up for the Heisman is still everything that it it meant, it used to mean. You know what I heard? But in a way, I I think it's been, there's been something taken out of it. I've heard the Heisman, the best, the best description of the Heisman I heard was last week. I don't, I wish I knew who to give credit to, but they said, the Heisman is the closest resemblance to the green jacket in the Masters in sports. I mean, the green jacket's still the green jacket, though. <laughs> there, there hasn't been any mystique taken away out of it. Well, no, you could say that it's bigger than ever. You're this the year only one sitting here saying it. the mystique's been taken away out of the Heisman. You guys don't think it had? There has been even a little bit. It, it's one of the oh, most yeah. prestigious awards in sports. Yeah. When when in, when an Endemican Sue didn't win it, that was when I started to become jaded about it but to say I, that it doesn't know, go it's not to the about best, the best player you know yeah. the history it. It drives me nuts i think history, josh and i are on the same way the history of the this. heisman though you have to know that going in like you have almost zero shot of winning it as a defensive player unless you also play some sort of offense or special teams then just call it the best offensive player it's not it's it's represented something do, it's not they don't need to do that it's the heisman I, I get it, I, that, but you're asking me why I'm jaded about it. That's why I'm jaded about it. It's not the most outstanding player. It's the best player on the best team. Do you think at some point over the next, we'll say 10 years, Beckett, okay. I think we'll be closer to a defensive player winning it because there will be people that it's it's kind of the society that we live in and that there's going to be such an uproar about you know what we're basically talking about yep. that people are going to overreact in a way and there's going to be a defensive player, might be Buki next year. That <laughs> Justin Justin Flo, just Justin Flo, that'd be sweet if it oh was. Oh my god! Has he just has he ripping somebody's helmet off? Has he committed yet? No, he hasn't. Okay, I, I think it's going to be Clemson, but it's, it's yeah. I, I remember that that was kind of the word. Is it Oregon when we even and Clemson all the way back when we were in Atlanta. I think George is in there too, Kerry. I can't. I, I I won't lie that he's been a focal point of my attention for a while or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I agree completely with Eddie. Like it's gonna just be like, like Eddie just said, it's the whole woke society. Like you, you've got to, you got to acknowledge that 
this is not what this is about. It's it's just become this, you know, silly little competition between who's the best player on the best team rather than rewarding the most outstanding player in college football. And so they're going to get some sort of overreaction. And I think it'll probably end up going to a guy that it shouldn't just because it's, well, look, look at this. Look at, I mean, and it could have been this year. If Chase Young hadn't gotten suspended and lost all that momentum he was starting to build and Joe Burrow doesn't just totally but Chase resurrect Young had the LSU zero offense. tackles against Michigan, though. I mean, after he came back. I, yeah. He, he also had like 16 sacks, destroyed Penn State. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I mean, he, I mean I, no, I, you got to You got to apply the same rules to him as you did an offensive player. And if, yep. if Joe Burrow went out and threw five interceptions uh, against Georgia and they – you know, didn't win convincingly, then you'd be like, oh, I don't know if he's the Heisman. Oh, Joe Burrow could have shit the bet against Georgia, and they'd still, I mean, he's still the Heisman. There's nobody close. His worst game is absurd at how good it is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Chase Young had a chance in the right year. This wasn't the right year. I mean, this is like Baker in 2017. Like, there's nobody else close. Yeah, and he was going against the returning Heisman Trophy winner, and his, mm-hmm. he was still clearly the best choice. Yep. But and I mean you guys are making Kyler it out like everybody gets screwed every year. I mean, like it's like it's some sort of I don't know, like the like somebody scamming the system. Nobody's really scamming. There's just some years where it's debatable if that guy should have been the guy. Yeah. Well, I just think that the And yes, defensive players don't get a chance. I mean, it's not like, you know, they're the Astros and counting, you know, stealing pitches and using the PA system to tip people. Why are you bringing off. up old shit? I mean, that basically is what they're doing, though. In a way, I mean, it, it, there's nowhere even close to comparison. <laughs> well, the, if oh you go, God. there's only a certain amount of guys that can win the Heisman, though. If you oh, and you have to go to a, you have to go to a big school. You have to probably be in the playoff. You have to, you you can't like I I just think it's unfair that a, a school like a I don't know. We'll use Oklahoma State again as an example. You can't go to Oklahoma State and win the Heisman Trophy. Under today's modern era of the Heisman Trophy, if you get to the playoffs, you, you go, can. Okay, but and to get into the playoffs is even harder because of the helmet logo. You see what I'm saying? Like you have to get. We've talked about this before. You have to go undefeated if you're Oklahoma State to get into the playoffs. You have to. Baylor could have had one loss. And Baylor this was year. close. Georgia probably would have fucking gone in. That would have been Baylor, the way Baylor that the, versus Georgia. The way that the committee talks, yeah. which I don't well, believe at all that they actually had a legitimate conversation between they admitted that Georgia they didn't. and Oklahoma. They admitted that Oklahoma was the clear choice. Rob Mullins, had, when he was pressed on it, he admitted Oklahoma was the clear choice and it really wasn't a debate, but they were just comparing them to do their due diligence. Just what like they were comparing <laughs> just like they were comparing Memphis and Boise State and whoever that else makes in the more sense. non-power five. So stupid. The whole thing, the whole playoff thing. I mean, go go to a couple that connect to Oklahoma. Jason White over Larry Fitzgerald. Hell no. Hell that that ne- I hated that one. I never got it. I, and I remember that was like the first time I infuriated the corner because I was like, Larry Fitzgerald's the best player in college football. It's not even. A but question. that's like Eddie said. That is where you run into the when you have eight thousand people voting. That the helmet, you know, wins. Yeah, ne- the the because next year the the flip. You got Matt Leinart over Adrian Peterson. Yeah, Adrian, Adrian Peterson, Peterson should have won it. Yeah. Out of those nah, eight hundred no voters, I would say, I, I think it's a small number. I would say like hundred and twenty of those eight hundred voters legitimately sit down, watch 
you know, as much as they can, do the homework they can. I mean, we have people on TV that literally don't watch games that they're paid to talk about. Yeah. So how can I trust had whoever you voted before the conference? Well, championship especially game? like you, you know, should, oh, you should be arrested <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> there are retired people. There are people that you know that gave votes that were responsible for that. That people used to be their radio partners that aren't even in the business anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that that goes on. It's just I don't know. I, there's not much you can do about it. I think everybody still knows that the Heisman Trophy, as you said, is one of the most prestigious awards in sports. It just, sure. it, it look, Jim Moore can't figure out that OU's defense is actually decent. Do you think enough people are paying attention to the Heisman, the the amount, number of votes, and saying, "Oh, it's a scam"? Like it's not, it's not legitimate anymore. No, people hear the Heisman because of years and you know decades of of credibility that's been built up that says this is the most prestigious award in not just college football but in sports. It's going to take a lot more than just not voting for Indomitian Sue or uh, Larry Fitzgerald and you know or, or Jason White instead of Larry Fitzgerald to put a, any kind of stain on that award. Well, if we want to start. This is where we could start by working towards progress. Stop inviting Billy Sims to the trophy presentation. <laughs> he's not going to get to yell boomer this year. You don't think? No. Why not? Well, he okay. will when he's Stop introduced. It. When he's oh, introduced, he definitely he will. will. And it'll be just but as it, cringeworthy <laughs> in 2019 as it was in three. Ooh, that's a good one. All right, man. Well, I don't think I want to talk anymore. Because you brought Mark up Billy Ingram Simpson. over and Damakin Sue. I know. I I, I can't. I'll I never can't get go. past that. That's a helmet thing. That's my Waterloo. All right. I can't. I can't go any farther. I think it's in Damakin, but you know, you say it how you want. There's a G in there, and I want to pronounce it. Damn it. <laughs> uh, any extra business you guys want to get to? We'll be back again next week. Uh, very quickly, uh, Josh, it's the only recruiting weekend before signing day. What are the Sooners looking to try to do here? Well, you know, obviously we all know Josh Ellison will come in, the defensive lineman from Blinn. Uh, I think Oklahoma is in great shape there. I think really the only question was for a while whether Oklahoma was going to have room to take him. I, I think that's probably been crossed i think you know with them bringing him in lincoln riley going in and doing a visit with uh him earlier this week i i just don't see any way that they're at this point they're going to pull the brakes like i think they're they're in he's going to probably end up as part of this class um the other and i haven't confirmed whether this is going to happen or not is xavier hutchinson his teammate from blinn uh kind of a he is an offer that was kind of a response to the grant calcaterra retirement they kind of see him as a flex tight end i know people i keep bringing up other sites talking about you know oh there's uh big wide receivers that's not really what they see him as from what i understand he is seen as kind of a flex tight end kind of guy and that's the way they want to use him so i i think that is what you're kind of looking at now as of last week, his visit was a possibility. I have not been able to confirm whether that's been canceled or if that's been actually put forward. I'm not sure where that's at. We'll know more. I'll have it up on the Crimson Corner. And it's a perfect time to sign up with our new Nike promo. Um, but Board you out. know, Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, for those out there, find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scoop. I'll, I'll give you all the details. But basically, 25% or just off go to the subscription. Site. Or go to the site. We'll yeah. have, we need to put something up on he the site. He doesn't have to be a back channel thing where Josh takes five dollars, you know, of, of, of his own to keep. There's a processing My fee. God. Damn it, Terry. 
Uh, and then there's all along with the twenty five percent off. You make enough money; they don't need to buy your Santa gifts for you. Okay, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Santa doesn't poor, buy gifts; he makes them. Wow, my children could hear this, Carrie. I just corrected myself. <laughs> it's too late; they've heard it. Now Laney's crying in the back seat, and I'm going to tell her it's Uncle Carrie's fault. Um, no, and then so, your wife uh, would will, will will shout, "He's not her uncle." Again, let me finish this promo for the site that you co-own. Damn it. All right, 25% off the annual and $75 in free Nike gear to our uh, to our site. So there is it's a great time to sign up. It's kind of a unique deal. It's one we've never done before, uh, a little different yeah. than years past, but it basically amounts to $100 in free stuff to sign up, get all our National Signing Day content, get all the guys' coverage of uh, the Peach Bowl, Get I'll be going to Orlando, San Antonio, covering the All-Star Games. Uh, Bob maybe may get dragged to one of those. We're not quite sure how that's going to work out. So there is a lot of stuff to be around um, right now. And to get back to, you know, to get back into what Bob was talking about, um, the only guy that I, I have talked to, Chandler Morris, he was one of the guys that we have kind of mentioned off and on maybe as a visitor this weekend. That visit will not happen, from what I'm told. Um, hmm. Lincoln's going to be in New York with Jalen Hurts. Right. There just wasn't a lot of reason to make that trip. I get every impression, though, that even with his father taking the job at Auburn, Oklahoma is very, very much in this race. I, I I've probably, probably am about as confident as I have been in that situation, really, since it began. Hmm. So, vote of confidence for Bo Nix, then. Uh, yeah, you know, and Auburn has a quarterback already committed. And I've talked to the Auburn, you know, some of our Auburn oh, a 2020 people. guy. Mm-hmm. They have one committed, but I'm told they want a second one. So I don't think hmm. this is a case of Auburn not pursuing Chandler Morris. I think it's a little bit of Oklahoma's a you know a, a situation he likes. Obviously, he's gotten to know them a little bit better than maybe he knows the Auburn staff. Of you know, of course, accepting his own father. Um, That's got to be a little dicey. I mean, I, coming in with your dad who's taking over as the new offensive coordinator when you have an established freshman quarterback. I mean, that's yeah, a that's and, a tough and, dynamic. And you also add in that I'm sure Chandler has now seen what that looks like if it goes bad. Yeah. So I, Okay, so he signs with Auburn, and in a year or two from now, Chad Morris is out of a job or Gus Malzahn's out of a job or whatever, and then he's stuck at Auburn where he pretty much went to go play for his dad – and his dad's not there anymore. Like that's that's a tough tough thing to navigate. Like you're talking, there's there's a lot of dynamics that that people I don't think are thinking about. They're just thinking, oh, he's going to go play with dad. I I don't know that that's a full positive for Auburn as some people are assuming it is. Yeah, it was a lot different situation at Arkansas than it would be at Auburn. By Absolutely. the way, I want to mention something that you brought up, Josh. I know you got we all are got to get out of here, but. Uh, it is kind of interesting when you look at the the Dave Aranda stuff uh, up for the UNLV job. He didn't get it. Did not take it. Um, well, that's what I'm getting <laughs> at. Uh, and Josh, you had mentioned like if Dave Aranda can't get the UNLV job, like what does that mean for just defensive coordinators in general? And you brought up Alex Grinch. Like, how hard is it for a DC to get a head coaching job right now? You know. Dave Aranda, for OU fans that don't really follow it, Dave Aranda is about as respected a mind in defensive in that particular pool as there is in the country. Dave Aranda was a star at Wisconsin, came to LSU, has led a lot of great defenses down there. 
And I know a lot of people are, oh, she's not that great on defense this year. Eh, they got a lot of new pieces. I mean, there's a lot going on there. But he's very, very good. And the fact that a guy like that, the best he can do is UNLV, that's that that's kind of cons- uh, I mean it, and it's it's a product of where we all are right now everybody wants offense everybody wants to get the offensive coordinators i mean what did three two or three new head coaches burst out of the Los Angeles Rams offensive uh meeting rooms last year Zach Taylor uh Matt LaFleur i mean the, anybody that has connected to any offensive mind of repute right now is getting a head coaching job defensively nobody's paying any attention and i think OU fans have to see that as good news because Alex Grinch is not going to suddenly get, I don't know, the Michigan job or something like that. They're going to go try to find the guy who's going to make Michigan's offense hum. You know, so you know, you look at the new jobs: Mike Norvell, offensive guy. I mean, you you just run down the list of all the big new hires. They're offensive guys, and that's probably going to continue. And I think that's nothing but good news for Oklahoma because it looks like they have their DC. Is Aranda's situation different because of? just how much money he's making at LSU? I, you know, I'm sure that's some of it, but if he was willing to look at the UNLV sure, job, sure. surely he's got some interest in being a head coach. And I've heard Colorado State is a job he's expressed interest in, too. And neither one, I mean, UNLV, could, can, they can pay more than what he'll make. They're kind of a, a unique power five or a group of five job. But if you're willing to even look down that road, then you have interest in head coaching jobs, and it tells you that, Florida State didn't call him. You know, um, some of these other openings in recent years, they didn't make that call to him. They went after offensive guys because everybody's looking for, you know, let's be honest, the next Lincoln Riley. Is, this might be a conversation for a different day, but is OU ready to have to make another commitment to assistant coaches? Because, I mean, you look at what Oklahoma has on staff right now. I mean, Grinch is going to get a big raise. Beatembo's probably due for a, another big raise. Like, they're going to have to – I thought it was kind of a jump that they had to make last year, wasn't it, as far as meeting, even getting Grinch over, was it 1.3, I think, or 1.4? Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to have to go 1.7, 1.8 maybe? They're going to have to Maybe make him two? Are they going to – would they make him two? Manning and Odom are going to have to get the bumps up too. Yeah, those aren't just major bumps, though, are they? I, I really look, don't know. Look at the way the secondary transformed. Manning's gonna have a lot to show. Guys, the second lowest paid guy on the on the team, Calvin Thibodeau. Yeah. Mm. That's gotta yep. be fixed. Yeah. The, the, that defensive line just led the Big Twelve in tackles for loss and is number seven in the country. Now some of that is a product of Alex Grinch and that defense, and I get all that. Sure. But you look back when when he was hired, what we were saying about that defensive line room and where it is now. It's just night and day. Yeah. A perfect example that probably gets glossed over because one play later they gave up an 85-yard touchdown. But Isaiah Thomas had a pretty bad, a pretty yep. big uh, sack in the Big 12 championship game. Those were only two snaps. We're talking about development. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, you're talking about a team last year that lost one player in Oboe and just completely fell apart. They couldn't get a pass rush to save their life. And now all of a sudden a year later – it seems like they've just got guy after guy after guy that can come in and create pressure. It's 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 been an unbelievable job. All right, uh, well, look, we got a lot of stuff to come. As Josh told you, great promo on the site. Go check it out. Uh, also, midfirst.com slash u forty. Go sign up for that OU Rewards credit card from Midfirst Bank, 
And uh, thanks to Joshua Christian. Thanks to Eddie Radosovich. Thanks to Bob Prisbella. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Mid First Bank Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.